Jesus, Jesus. How many of you has gotten to the place with your relationship with Jesus? You ever have something unexpectedly happen, like maybe a close call with a wreck? I heard from Mr. Rick, Richard almost run over him the other day. But you know what I'm talking about, something unexpected that brings fear and Oh, no, I don't know about you, but I don't say, oh, Diane, or oh, Mama. When, when something happens unexpectedly that you know you need help, I don't know who you holler, but it just naturally comes out of you when you write with Jesus. Jesus, help me, or Jesus. Um, I was just thinking a while while we were singing that about old blind Bartimaeus. You see, when, when you get to that place where you know there's nothing that a man can do, nothing you have done that's fixed it, you'll cry Jesus. And old blind all his life, there's a crowd. He's like, what's going on? They said, Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. And he knows Jesus is there, and he starts screaming out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, you know, them Pharisees, them, some of them apostles might have had some Baptists in them because they told him, be quiet. <laughs> Calm down a little bit. He just started hollering louder. Jesus. You know, when Jesus heard him over all that crowd, all those people, he stopped. Bartimaeus had his attention. He knew he wasn't just hollering Jesus for no reason. He said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, let me see again, Lord. And friends, that's when you know when something happens that you can't fix, that something you don't want to deal with, when you just holler Jesus, there's power in the name of of Jesus. So would you pray with me? Father, we fix and look at a very familiar passage of Scripture. What a beautiful story we're going to read. And we're going to see out of all the things Jesus can do, the greatest thing of all, that is, he can forgive sin and save sinners. And he can bring and give eternal life. And Lord, I pray for the one farthest from you this morning who thinks he's so far he can never get back to where you would want him to be in your house as one of your children. And I pray today, Lord, that you would save a sinner here. And for those who are saved, I pray you'd remind us again of your purpose and why you came. You told us yourself, Lord, that you came to seek the lost. The Apostle Paul said that it is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came and to the world to save sinners. And Lord, we thank you for saving us today. And for each person here who is saved, we thank you, Lord, that you still save. And we lift up our lost friends and loved ones and anyone here in this room this morning who is without Christ, a breath away from hell, that today, Lord, you and your mercy, Jesus, would save them. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you to turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Luke, to the 15th chapter. The Gospel of Luke, to the 15th chapter. We're going to read this. There's, four par- there's three parables that are all go together. And what has happened, Jesus, he's, he's, he's working with sinners. <laughs> he's hanging out with them, and they're hanging out with him. He's saving sinners and the tax collectors and sinners, probably drunkards and harlots and all of those type people. And in verse 1 of chapter 15, it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, that was the religious leaders, complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus spoke this parable. And he he spoke three parables. And as we read the last one, which I think is, you know, Lost coins are important, lost sheep, but nothing's more important than a lost son. And the whole three parables are building up to teach us the importance that Jesus and God, the Father, are concerned about that which is lost. And if you look with me, we'll start reading in verse 11. And then Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. 
But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed his swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. And when he had came to himself, some translations say to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. That's where I get to title, gone away but not forgotten. I don't know how far you may be from God this morning, but I don't care how far you can get, how far sin can take you, you're never forgotten by our Father. He's thinking about you right now, and I promise whenever you decide to come home, he'll see you long before you'll see him. He's patiently waiting for sinners to come home this morning, and I want to finish and then we'll pray, I mean we'll start preaching. And he says, and when he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and he had compassion and he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, not a robe, the best and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. This is the third in a series of parables that Jesus told about lost things. God wants us to know these spiritual stories so we will understand how very important Lost things are to him. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, but probably the most familiar to most of us in here is the parable of the lost son. It is certainly to me the most moving. I think it's one of the most exciting stories Jesus ever told. And I want to talk to us a little bit primarily about two of the three that is in the parable. The two main people in the story, I want to call him the foolish low-down son. <laughs> And the faithful, loving father. And how foolish and low down could you be to go to your father who had blessed you and give you everything you need. There was nothing that he needed there. There was nothing that he lacked. Everything he desired, the father had given to him. But that foolish, low down son rebelled against that father and said, I want you to give me my inheritance now. I can't wait till you're dead. Can you imagine that? The son's insensitive request. How insensitive can that be? I want you to think about this. The father's house had everything you could ever need or desire. The son came to him though and said, give me my inheritance now. I want all that coming to me. I can't wait until you're dead. <laughs> and it's insensitive a request, unbelievably rude and dishonoring to his father. That is, the father's incredible response is even harder to believe. <laughs> He gave it to him, everything. You ever thought about this? The father gave him everything he wanted, everything he had had, and he didn't argue, he didn't try to talk sense to him, he just gave it to him. And if you look right there, it says that not many days later, he didn't even stay. <laughs> he took it all and he packed it up and he went to a foreign country to live an ungodly, sinful life with his father's provision. You may not believe this today, but if you don't want to live for God and you don't want God to be your father, he won't make you stay. He'll let you go. He'll let you go on out into the world, and he doesn't want you to go, but he won't go against your will. You see, I want you to think about this. Why do you think the father done that? Because you see, the father wanted him to be there because he wanted to be. He wanted his heart to be 
submit it to him because he wanted to be. You see, the father had enough sense to know I've done everything I can to raise him right. I've invested in him. I've given him everything that I could give him. But as long as his heart is in this condition, he's not really my son. And so he let him go out. And guys, that's just what we do if we're honest. God's provided everything by his grace. He's offered you it all. His son paid it all. Jesus paid it all. He died on the cross to purchase you salvation that will forgive you and cleanse you and reconcile you to where you can have a relationship and live under the Father's perfect care, provision, his protection, and the greatest blessing of it all when you're saved is his presence in your life. Jesus is real. He's no longer someone you read about in the Bible. He's your Savior. He's a real person in your life, and he's your Lord. And now you try to serve him as best you can, and he's there for you. And that's what this boy had. He had a father who loved him, who had provided for him, who was protecting him, who, who was there for him. But he said, I don't want that. Give me all the blessings now that I can use to enjoy this life and go do what I want to do and live the way I want to live. I don't want to be under you, Lord, Dad. I want to go out and be my own man. And that's what the heart does in the rebellion. You see, sin is rebellion. It's rebellion against the holy God that loves you. And so as you see this, he, why did he go out to, for, to revelry, a life of revelry? And guys, if you look right here, I'm, I'm going to tell you that <laughs> sin is fun for a little while. That's why you like to do it. I'm not going to go here and tell you that the boy wasn't enjoying himself in the far country when he first got there. Sin is always fun at first, but sooner or later the wake-up eventually comes and it leaves you in want. It never provides what it promises. It never does what you thought it would. And it's very, very costly. It's expensive. There's people all over whose lives have been destroyed and shattered because they went out and done what they wanted to do at the cost of what that sin brought into their life. This young man, he told his dad, if you look here with me, he said, I, I want my inheritance now. And when you read in the text, look at what it says. It says in verse 14, I mean verse 13, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together that the father had given him, he journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all that he had, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. How many of you can identify with him? Your life was provided for. You were under the protection of God. You was experienced his presence. You wandered off and you went and you used what God had blessed you with in an inappropriate way to live a life that wasn't his will. And all of a sudden you found yourself in want without. I don't know about y'all, but who do you think caused the famine? <laughs> God. I look around in America today, and if there's ever been a nation that's experienced a spiritual famine, we're in it. If there ever was a, a land who was filled with people who had the blessings of living in the Father's house, with all of the Father's blessing and his provision and his protection, he was over us as a nation. He was over our cities. He was over our communities. We had a special place that has never been a place blessed on the face of the earth as a nation like the United States of America when Jesus was Lord. When the church was true and it was really under his lordship, there was a presence here. But with all the blessings that he gave us as a nation, with all of the provision that we had, all of that protect, there was churches on every corner at one day that was filled with lively, vibrant congregations that had preachers that preached with fire, pulpits that had power and authority to change life. But that seems to be a thing that is going away fast and is almost maybe gone. Because guys, listen, 
There's a cost to prodigal living. He went and wasted it all on riotous living. And he spent it on harlots. And all of a sudden, all of it was gone. It ran out. You know, one day America can print all the money she wants, but it's going to run out. One day, if Jesus tarries, America's only hope, my friend, is to cry out to Jesus again one day and say, Lord, can we come home? But individually today, I want to talk to you. Some of you may be a long ways from where you are supposed to be. You may not be where you should be. I want you to remember this, that sin, some man said this. I don't know who actually said it, but he says sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. (laughs) And that's where this boy finds himself. He's so broken now. From what he thought was going to be a wonderful life of revelry and enjoyment and just all for me. Now he's so broke and he's Jewish that he finds himself connecting himself with one of these foreign people. And he's given the job to feed the hogs. I bet he's speaking now to the religious leaders, Pharisees. Primarily Jews were standing there. When he began to tell that story, I can imagine those religious folks gasped. They don't even have anything to do with a hog. They won't even eat pork. <laughs> it's unclean. And now here he is feeding the pork, the, the swine. And he's so hungry, he's going to eat their food. How low can you get? How far from the father's house can you go? And how can you long for the days when you were in the Father's house? So he begins to think about this. And this young boy who has left everything, lost everything, now here he is, and it says, I just think about this when you read it. It, It's so sad. It says, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Have you figured out yet that you can't join yourself to the world? That the world can't take care of you, it won't fulfill you, it won't satisfy you, and it surely is not going to care about you like the father did. And so here he is, he's apparently at this moment, he's not to the point he's humble enough, broke enough, or desperate enough that he's willing to go back. And that's what we do. We look for anywhere in any way than to go back to God. And look at what he says right there. It says, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. And then this is probably the most important part. But when he came to himself. One translation says, when he came to his senses. Have you realized how sin is not only tempting but it's deceptive and it doesn't like to let go of you if you ever give sin a foothold into your life the origin of sin the 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 one who brought sin in the devil he tempted it he's not going to be satisfied for you just to do one sin he's going to then want that sin to be another sin and another sin why because sin separates us from the Father, and he wants to get you so far from God that you become so deceived, that you become so discouraged, that you become so beat down that you begin to believe there's no way I can go back. You ever been there? I'm so far from God, I never thought I could get this far away from God. I never thought I would ever go this far. I never thought it would ever be like this. How did I end up in the pig pen slopping hogs when my daddy owned it all? Even his servants were treated better than this. They had bread to eat. They have food on the table. And so he begins to think. And he begins to come to his senses. The young man began to have what we experience as repentance. I think this is the greatest picture of repentance in the whole Bible. 
When you come to yourself, when you come to your senses, you remind yourself of who you are and where you came from. I belong to God. I was created in his image. He sent his son. Jesus gave his life. He shed blood. He paid a price to redeem me. And I don't belong here. I belong there. But the devil will tell you, you can't come back. God doesn't care for you. But when he came to his senses, he experienced repentance. I want you to think about this. Repentance will always result in a decision. Repentance is not just feeling sorry for what you've done. It's not just being filled with remorse. It's not just saying, I've done wrong. Repentance is that you realize you've done wrong to the point it changes your attitude. And your attitude changes to the point it causes a change in your actions. Your old behavior that caused you to behave the way you did, now you will behave differently. And friends, this boy here had a change of attitude. He had a, a, a beautiful picture. That's what Jesus is showing. And guys, listen, the worst sinner on the earth, if he's willing to repent and turn to God, can be saved. But the most religious sinner, the one who looks good, who thinks everything is good, he needs to repent just as much as the sinful man does. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, except we repent, we will all likewise perish. There's not a person ever who didn't need to repent and turn back to God. The Pharisees, that was their biggest problem. They seen themselves as religious. I'm in church. I'm going to church now. I'm doing good things. Has anybody here honest enough to say, since I got saved, I haven't always done what I should have done? That I've went places I shouldn't went, said things I shouldn't have said, but the Pharisee will think that his religion and what everyone sees him as is enough to make him okay. But remember, God sees us. He watches us. And this young man here, this young man was about to make a decision. I want you to think about this. Jerry Vines, this is such an awesome quote. He said, the young man who had made the worst decision of his life in the best place, the father's house, now he was about to make the best decision of his life in the worst place, the pig pen. Did you get that? When he was at the father's house, he made the worst decision of his life. But now that he's in the pig pen, he's fixing to make the best decision of his life. You see, this morning you have a will just like him. You can choose. It's not that you're trapped where you are. You see, you can choose to say, I'm not going to live in the pig pen anymore. I want to go back to the Father's house. I like that song by Corey Ashbury, The Father's House. He says that when you come through the door, he says, leave your shame at the door because it's not welcome anymore because now you're entering into the Father's house. And friends, the Father is waiting for him It's this Act of repentance is going on in this young man's life. You see, that's repentance. Lord, I am in the hog pen. I have made bad decisions. I did leave when everything was good. And now I'm out here in the middle of nothing in the world in the pig pen. But Lord, I want to come home. I've come to my senses. And so what did repentance do? It made him make a decision that he said, I'm going back home. I'm going back home. But he wasn't just going back home the way he left. When he left, he was selfish. He was self-centered. He was greedy. He said, Lord, Father, I don't care about what it hurts your feelings. I don't care if it hurts you, Dad, but I want my inheritance now. I don't want to live on this farm and work for you. I don't want to build up your, what you've built up with your life and was willing to give me. I want it all now to go do what I want with it. And he left a selfish little, what I said he was, a foolish, low-down son. But now he's coming back with a new heart. See, that's why the father let him go. That's why God allowed you to go so far into what that world offered you to where you'd get sick of the world. You'd realize the world ain't what you thought it was. That the love of the world is not exemplify the love of the father. And when you get a belly full of what the world gives you and it breaks you like it did this young boy and you come to your senses... He was willing to go home, but he went home different. Listen to the difference in him before he left. 
It says right there, but when he, verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I'm fixing to eat hog slop. I will arise and go to my father's house. And I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer even worthy to be called your son. But if you would make me like one of your hired servants, I would gladly come back and serve you. I would gladly, Lord, if you'll just let me back home. And I think that would be a fair deal. How about you? <laughs> yeah, you can come back, but now you've got to start over. I'll feed you. You're going to work, though. No more laying around watching your older brother do the work. <laughs> but listen, I will arise and go to my father's house. Verse 19, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So then you see the return. Verse 20, so he got up and he arose and he went to his father's house. That's what you need to do today, some of you. You've just been going through the motions. You, you can't remember the last time you were convicted enough to confess, Lord, I've sinned. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me. The Bible says that if we will confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. That's a provision for all of us, amen? Because we all still sin. If you say you have no sin, the truth is not in you and you lie, the Bible says. But that doesn't mean we're supposed to just act like sin is okay. Yes, we still sin, but we should be trying to sin less. Even though we'll never be sinless, we should be striving to sin less. And friends, this old boy, he, he's come to his senses. He's broken. He comes back. And the unbelievable thing now is you get to see now. The faithful, loving father. As he begins to come back, this is where I got my text. Title, gone away but not forgotten. <laughs> but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. You know what? I don't think that was an accident. I think that father is watching that road every day. How about you? As he was coming down that road, long before he seen daddy, his father seen him. And when he seen him coming down the road, he wasn't filled with, oh, I knew he'd be back. I hope he learned his lesson. Here he comes. I knew this would happen. No, it says as soon as he saw him, he was filled with compassion for him. And instead of waiting on his son to come to him, he ran to his son. I want you to think about this. You are not forgotten. God's eye is on you. I don't care how far you may think you can go. You can't get too far to where God ever turns and quits looking for you. He's wanting you to come home today. He's made provision for you. He, God is there for you. But while he was still a long ways, he was never forgotten. He was on that father's mind. How many of you's got a child that is on your mind all the time because you want him to come home? If we can do that way... And we're sinners ourselves. How much can a holy, loving, perfect, just, righteous, and merciful God be waiting for someone to come home today? He wants sinners to come home. He wants us to be saved, to be forgiven, and to come back where he can bless us the way he wants to. See, not only was he not forgotten, but this is the amazing thing. He was never not loved. Gone away, but never unloved. Look at what it says. While he was still a long way, his father saw him and he ran to him. Though God is willing, if you'll take the first step today, he'll take whatever else it takes to bring you back, to reconcile you, to help heal you, to cleanse you, to fix you, to restore you, to you can be in a relationship with him. Not just religious, but righteous. And the righteousness that only he can give us. And friends, listen, why did he run to him? Why did he have this love for him? Because he had compassion. He had compassion for him, just what we've been talking about. We're going to show compassion next Sunday, hopefully, to some people who may feel like they're a long ways from God. They don't get to go to church no more. Or they may not even be wanting to go to church. So we're going to run to them. But listen, when he got to him, he didn't say, So you coming back? Did you learn your lesson? He kissed him. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Now remember, he just left. What was the last thing he was doing? Slopping hogs. How many of you been in a hog pen lately? When we was little, daddy would get hogs. Two a year. And he had this pen he built and it was up on 
plywood on an angle and had tin over it. And that hog had two things. And our job was to go out there every evening and take a water hose and spray that out for that hog and feed that hog. And we fed him wheat shorts and the table scraps, whatever scraps we had. We slopped him for a long, long time. And then finally one day, Daddy started buying corn. And he said, now you feed that corn. And we'd feed the corn. But that old hog, he'd be laying there and we'd spray that out. And man, when we walked back, I could remember being my brother, boy. We'd be holding our nose. It stunk. And then Daddy would take that hog to Bobby Hyde's slaughterhouse. And when that hog came home, <laughs> he didn't look like that no more. He was in the freezer. Y'all remember what that was like? But guys, this boy is a Jew. His daddy's a Jew. To even be around a hog makes you spiritually unclean. But I want to tell you, he was physically unclean. I believe he stunk. How about you? I believe his clothes had gotten dirty. I believe he had lost his shoes. I know he was. He was barefooted. And here he is. He's been slopping hogs. He's been living the result of what sin had done to him. And that father wrapped his arms around him with all that stench and kissed him. And I don't believe he just kissed him. I believe he was slobbering on him. How about you? My son is back. My son is back. I want you to think about this with me. You may go to hell unsaved this morning, but you won't never go there unloved. Because God loves you so much, he gave his only son for you. But you got to come to your senses and realize you need him. You got to be willing like him. He didn't worry what his daddy was going to say. He didn't even worry about what his old self-righteous brother who we're going to see didn't like him coming back was going to say. He didn't even care what all the servants were going to think. He came back. And listen, not only did he show this love for him and how he showed compassion, he wrapped his arm around him. He said, go and get the best robe, not a robe. He's naked. He's nasty. He's, he's, go get the best robe I have and put it on him now. Go get my sandals and put that on. And go get the family ring and put it back on his finger. Because my son was dead, but he's come home and he's alive. And go kill the fatted calf. We fixing to have a celebration. Dinner on the grounds. We fixing to have a party at the Baptist church. Amen. Because a sinner got saved. My son's come home. Everybody is rejoicing. Can I get an amen? And the father's happy. The son must be overwhelmed by the grace that is given to him that he doesn't deserve. And the mercy that he, he's getting because he deserved to be a slave again. He deserved to be like anybody else on that household. But he was made a son. And so... There's one other person in the story. And he's the main reason Jesus told the story. You see, when you look at who's left, the third person in the story, the foolish, low-down son, he resents sinful people. He, he's representing the tax collector and the sinners, the harlots and the, 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 the drunkards that Jesus is bringing into the kingdom that the Pharisees were upset about because Jesus is eating with Sinful people. Jesus is welcoming sinners into the house of God. So they're upset. And the faithful, loving father, we all know that's an easy one. That represents God. So who's left in the story? I call him the furious, lonesome son. Religious people. Religious people. He don't need to be in this church. He don't need to be with our group. Do you hear what he's done? Religious people are people who sit in the house every Sunday, but they don't see people as needful as for mercy and grace. They won't go and touch them. They won't go and love on them. They won't go and try to get them to come back. And when they do come back, they're not real happy sometimes. This is unbelievable, but the, the son who's... You would think would be the great son, the faithful son. He stayed home. The son comes back and that son says, Father, I've sinned. He comes home. Now the older son was in the field. And as he came and he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. I don't know about y'all, but when I go to church, I want to hear music. Amen. And, and I'd be all right with a little dancing. And I know this might hurt some of your Baptist feelings, but David danced. 
And if the greatest king, one of the greatest worshipers that wrote the majority of the Psalms got so excited about God that he danced, maybe we might ought to have a little dance. How many of you danced lately at a wedding that you wouldn't talk about? How many? I went to a wedding a while back and there was an old boy there. I seen him and he was out there shaking his, you know, and when he seen me, he was like, <laughs> I said, that's all right, brother. And he wasn't dancing for Jesus. But you see, we're we the same way. We'll listen on the radio to country Nashville junk. We'll listen to the world's music. Then we'll come and say, that new music ain't from the, it's from the pit of you nowhere. They got all them drums and all that laughter. And then you off listening to Nashville, whining about your wife left you and you lost your truck and your dog got run over. Amen. All that junk they sing about. When you ought to be singing about Jesus and the love of God and the glory of who he is and more than anything, he saved me. I got saved and I can't get over it. I want to listen to good stuff that glorifies God, that reminds me of who I am. And when I see the people who don't have him, I don't look at them for how they are. I thank God for what they can be. And I want to be a, 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 I want to be a conduit to that. I want to be used for that. Like we talked about last week, Lord, I desire that you use me to be a part of somebody else's story for your glory. Lord, I want to go touch a dirty man. I want to go find a lost man. I want to go find someone who's hurting. And I want to help him to find hope. Because, Lord, one day you took me. And I was that son who wasted it all. I did wander. I was living in a prodigal life. But, Lord, when I came to my senses and I came home, you didn't judge me. You didn't get mad. You didn't loathe me. You loved me. You hugged me. You put the robe on me. You put sandals on my feet. You put a ring on my hand. You identified yourself with my father. And more than anything, you identified me as your son. And I didn't deserve it. Guys, that's the love of our father. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to show. The church today, if you're not careful, can get so caught up in our religious activity and our duties and our tradition that we don't even look at sinners. And when sinners do come in, we forget to rejoice. We forget to kill the fatted calf. We forget to bless them with everything we have to bless them to make them feel welcomed back. But that's the love of God. Instead of thinking, oh no, they're going to cost us something. We ought to be thinking, Lord, help us to bless them. Friends, to, to welcome sinners home, it cost that man something. But I want you to see the, 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 the heart of this son. It says the older son in the field, when he came, he heard music. So he called one of the servants and he asked him, what is this going on? What's happening? And he says to him, your brother is coming because he has received him safe and sound. That means healthy. Your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. He was furious. And he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. He answered and said to him, father... Lo, these many years, I've been serving you. I go to church all the time. I never transgressed your commandment. I try to keep the law, Lord. And yet you've never gave me a fatted calf. You never gave me a party and a celebration. He says, you never even gave me a goat that I might go and make merry with my friends. And look at what he thinks of his brother. But as soon as this son of yours, he didn't say, my brother, this son of yours. He's not mine. <laughs> Who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to his son. Son you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. That's us. We're blessed. We're here every Sunday. We're here. The Lord. We're with the Lord. The Lord is with us. We ought to be just like the father. Man we can have a goat anytime we want one. We can have a party with our friends. We probably just don't ask. Jesus said you have not because you ask not. Now, you might not get to kill the fatted calf, but you can have a goat. You can, God blesses, amen. And, but this guy was so far from God, he was eating with the hogs. And look at what his dad says. And he said to him, son, verse 31, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again, and he was lost, and he has been found. Out of all the things that can happen in a local church, out of all the blessings that God can pour on us, 
Bigger than a budget that is bountifully abundant. Bigger than programs that has all kinds of activity going on in the name of Jesus and people coming in them. Bigger than having a house filled with people. Bigger than anything else. It doesn't matter anymore if lost people aren't being found and unsaved people aren't being saved. And friends, listen. Sinners do things they shouldn't do. And their lives have been messed up and their lives don't look like they should. If your life looks the way it should, you need to praise Jesus because his grace did it, not you. (laughs) How quick do we, once we get saved and start living, man, they don't even come every Sunday. They don't give like I do. They don't serve. They don't this, they don't do that. That's what that older brother was doing. My brother, your son, (laughs) Wasted all that we worked for on an ungodly life. And now he comes back and you're going to bless him with the fatted calf. God says it's right for that. You know, this morning, if you're lost, I don't care how far you are from God. God would save you this morning. You can't get too far. You know, I'm the kind of person who went so far. I know what it feels like to think I could never be saved. Have you ever witnessed to religious people? When's the last time you witnessed Well, this is what I find out. Because down in South Louisiana, where I come from, there is the false gospel of Catholicism. And it's a works-oriented way to be saved. And when you go talk to good Catholics, this is what they tell you. Well, I, I was born a Catholic. No, you wasn't. You was born a sinner. I was born religious. No, you wasn't. And you start trying to talk to them. And this is eventually where you always get with good Catholics or people who are devoted to a religious system to try to be good enough. They're on one camp or the other. One camp says, like the Pharisees, I'm good. I'm righteous. I do all the good things. I go to church. I I, I ain't like all them people over there. I'm good. But he can't be good enough. The Pharisees needed Jesus as much as the tax collectors, but they didn't see their need. They needed Jesus as much as that son at his worst when he was in the pig pen. As much as he needed mercy, as much as he needed grace and forgiveness and the help of God to get back home. They needed it just as much sitting in the temple. The son who never left, the son who never quit serving. His heart was as messed up and not right with God as the one who went out and did all that stuff. The only one that's got a heart that exemplifies God is that father in this story. Which one are you this morning? Were you the sinner? What I find is the good dad who works hard. He prides for his family. He's a good father. He's a good, but he's lost. He's religious. He he has a degree of righteousness, but it's self-righteous. It's not enough to take care of his sins. He's still a sinner, but he doesn't see it. He's almost impossible to reach. He thinks he's okay. And I fear that the Baptist has got a lot of people like that in here today. And then you look at the one who I identify with. He's went so far. He's done it all. He feels like, preacher, I've went so far, you don't understand. I could never be saved. He's the one who's most likely to be saved. There's two camps. The one who says, I'm good enough. I'm okay. I think I'm going to be all right. My good's going to be more than my bad. Then you got the one who says, I'm condemned. I'm so far. I'm in the pig pen. I can never get back. You don't know what I've done. The father would never accept me back. No, that's the one the father sent his son to die for. That's the one Jesus hung on the cross for. And Jesus is here today and he's telling you, my sinner friend, I don't care what you've done. I didn't bring you here today to make you religious. I didn't bring you here today to make you try harder. I brought you here today because you're broken and you're to the place where you've come to your senses and you realize your only hope is me. And he says, if you'll come to me today with all of your brokenness, with all of your sin, with all of your failures, I'll be like that father. I'll meet you before you make the first step. And I'll wrap you up. I'll kiss you. I'll love you. I'll robe you in my righteousness. I'll put a ring on you. I'll identify you as my child. I'll put holy shoes on your feet. And I'll bless you. That's the message of the cross. That's the message of God. Now, does that mean we go live like sinners? No. 
But today, if you have, God is here for you. He's not forgotten you. You're not too far. And there's two invitations this morning. The invitation for the son who's lost, who's gone far. He needs to come home. He needs to be saved. That's you today. I'm going to ask you to come home. You're fixing it just like that boy. Say, Lord, I want to come home. You're going to step out. And he made it home. Before you got there, God had already been waiting. And the father accepted him. But there's some of us here who... If you're not careful, you've become callous, you've become cold, you've become judgmental and legalistic, and you see everything wrong with people, but you never see what God sees in them, what they can be if they'd only know me. And you judge people and you look at people, friends, that's the Pharisee, that's the whole point that he told this story, because they were saying, Jesus, why are you messing with sinners? I don't know about y'all, but I'll be honest. It's a lot easier to minister to sinners than it is church people sometimes. And you know what? Just this week, I went to Walmart. Y'all ever seen them boys out there that are selling them crosses? They're they're in a a program for drugs. And there was one name there yesterday. And I went in and I was looking at him. And I don't know what it is. I draw their attention. (laughs) He said, hey, brother, before you go out, don't stop by and see us. And when I came out, boy, I looked over there, and he was standing there. And he was, hey, hey, don't leave. I walk over there. And I said, how much you getting for them crosses? He said, $100. I said, ooh. I said, I just come out of Walmart. I don't have $100. <laughs> I said, but let me tell you what I do have. I want to encourage you. I said, I said are you an addict? He said, I, I, I'm in a program. I said, that's good. I said, are you saved? He said, I'm trying to be. I said, no, 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 I don't cut it, brother. Ain't no trying to be. You're either saved or you're not. And he says, well, I, I think I'm saved. I've been going to church. And he said, I'm in this program. And he said, the Lord's been good to me. I said, hey, he's good God. So I start sharing my testimony. Another person walks up. I said, brother, 30 years ago, I was just like you. I was on drugs. I've been in rehabs. I said, I've had all that stuff that, I had every excuse, I said, and I didn't want to be that way. I said, I went to them rehabs first time I went because they wouldn't go to jail. So the next time I went because I was in jail, but I wasn't in a cell. I was in a jail that I created, and I wanted out, and I couldn't get out, and I was trying now. I says, but you know what, brother? I said, thank God for a 12-step program. Are y'all in one? Yeah. I said, there's nothing wrong with those. Those can help you, but that 12-step program will get you from where you are, but it'll never get you to where you need to be. Because it's more than 12 steps, Brent. I'm going to tell you something. It's one step. It's one step. And you can do a 12-step program. There's a place for it. But that step is Jesus. And until you step from sin to Jesus, until you step out of the world into his beloved kingdom, you will not be free. And he was looking at me. He said, are you a preacher? They had a girl that walked up. I didn't even know who she was. She was like, are you a pastor or a preacher? I said, yes, ma'am. I pastor a church. Do y'all know where Bethany is? None of them knew. I said, y'all know where Greenwood is? None of them knew. I said, that don't matter. So I just started talking to him. And friends, I wanted to hear to tell you, it was raining. He told me, you're only the second one who stopped to talk to us all day. When I left, there was five people standing there. They are waiting to hear. They are waiting to be told. And I gave them each one of our little cards, and I didn't see them today. I was looking for them, though. But I'm believing one day when he gets out, he said he's from West Virginia. I said, brother, I'd love to have a West Virginian come to my church. You come, you find me, you can sit with me. He hugged me, man. He thanked me. I was pulling out when I was driving out. They were all watching my truck. I'm going to tell you, my friends, that ain't nothing to do with me. It's all what God has done. And when you are saved by grace and you realize that God has been merciful to you, you don't look at people like that as a nuisance wanting your money. I gave him $10. You know what he gave me? A broken cross. And it's broke off the end. He said, here, we can't sell this one. I'll give you this since you gave me 10. I said, you're ruining my blessing, brother. I gave you 10. Now you're trying to give me something for it. I said, I don't want nothing for it. He said, but I want you to have it. So I was looking at it going down the road in the truck. I said, Lord, what am I going to do with a broken cross? The bottoms broke off of it. I come in and show Diane. She said, where'd you get that from them boys at Walmart? I said, yeah. I went put it in my shop. I went and looked at it this morning. You know what? It means more to me than the cross that ain't broke. 
Thank God for the old rugged cross. Because it still saves. The power of the blood still is able to make a difference in a sinner's life. Today the question is, are you that sinner? Will you come to Jesus? Will you get real? Have you come to your senses? Are you desperate enough to say, Daddy, Father, I want to come home. Because he's real enough and loving enough and faithful enough to do just what that father did. He'll love you. He'll kiss on you. He'll clean you up. He'll robe you. He'll put shoes on your feet and a ring on your finger. And he'll say, that's my child. Can anybody identify what I'm talking about? That ought to make a Baptist say amen. Let's stand. This is the invitation. If you need to be saved, I'm inviting you today to do what that boy did. Come home. If you are like that other son and you've been looking at what's wrong with people, not caring about people, today, this is your day. Come get a heart change and say, Lord, I want to go help people. I want to minister to people. Next Sunday on the 11th, we're going out in this community to be the father to help people come home. So I'm inviting you if you need to come. If you're lost, this is your day. Come today and be saved by the Lord's amazing grace. Lord, I preach what you told me. Thank you for your help. I know it's went forth with your aid. And I pray now that it touches hearts, it changes life. I know there's a lost sinner right now. He's battling, he's struggling. Help him to make that step. Help him to come home, Lord. I know you love him. I know you're watching him. You see him. You know right where he's at. And you're saying, come home. I'm waiting. And Father, for that one who's forgotten, who doesn't have a burden for souls anymore, who's become judgmental, Help us today, Lord, to have a new heart, to be renewed and restored, to be soul winners again, to be people who are of mercy and grace who want to help others. And Lord, I'm asking you now, Lord, to touch this congregation. Start with me, but have your way. And I'm thanking you already for what you're fixing to do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to come, come now while you can. He's calling you. I hear the Savior say,